You're listening to episode number 69 of The Green Elephant in the Room. This is your host, Eco Rico, podcast broadcasting from beautiful Lake Chapala in Mexico. With all the dreadful news on climate change, it's easy for pessimism to set in, but that would be conceding defeat. It's easy to despair, too easy. When it comes to the climate and environment, we hear a lot of variations on, we're doomed and it's hopeless, which perhaps made the people who say this feel that they were in charge of one thing in this overwhelming situation, the facts. They aren't, of course. They were letting understandable grief at the news morph into an assumption that they know just how the future is going to turn out. They don't. The future hasn't already been decided. That is, climate change is an inescapable present and future reality of catastrophe. Recently, experts have told us, don't despair. The climate fight is far from being over. The latest report from the IPCC that came out earlier this year summed up both sides of the issue. IPCC stands for Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Not a real sexy moniker, I know. The IPCC is the world's top climate scientists assembled by the United Nations. It consists of almost 300 scientists from 196 countries who monitor and assess all global science related to climate change. It is the foremost group of its kind in the world. The IPCC reports have been issued every six to seven years since 1992. In its sixth and latest comprehensive assessment, the report says that it is unequivocal that climate change is occurring and confirms there is at least a 95% certainty that human activities are the principal cause. There is some good news in this latest assessment. There have been promising developments in low carbon technologies. Countries are making more ambitious national commitments to reduce their emissions and doing more to help communities adapt to the effects of climate change. The problem is it's still not enough. The report is crystal clear We are not doing nearly enough to avoid dangerous impacts, let alone achieve the targets of the Paris Agreement. But the point of the IPCC report is that there's still a chance to seize the best case scenario rather than surrender to the worst. But whether or not there's hope for change is not the question. If you want to be a free person, you don't stand up for human rights because it'll work but because it's the right thing to do. Right now, doing what's right means every one of us with resources taking serious climate action or stepping up what we're already doing. Climate action is human rights because climate change affects the most vulnerable first and hardest. It already has with droughts, fires, floods, and crop failures. It affects the myriad of species and habitats that make this earth such an intricately beautiful place, from the coral reefs to the caribou herds. 
What we're deciding now is what life will be like for the kids born this year who will be 77 in 2100, and their grandchildren, and their grandchildren's grandchildren. They will curse the era that devastated the planet, and perhaps they'll bless the memory of those who tried to limit this destruction. Taking action is the best way to live in conditions of crisis and disruption for your spirit and your conscience, as well as for society. It's entirely compatible with grief and horror. You can work to elect climate heroes while being sad. We don't exactly know what will happen and how our actions will shape the future. The histories of change that have made me so hopeful are often about small groups that seem at the outset unrealistic in their ambition. Whether they were taking on slavery in the antebellum USA or human rights in the Soviet bloc, these movements grew exponentially and changed consciousness and then toppled institutions or regimes. We also don't know what technological breakthroughs or large-scale social changes or catastrophic ecological feedback loops will shape the next 20 years. Knowing that we don't know isn't grounds for confidence, but it is fuel against despair, which is a form of certainty. The future is as uncertain as it's ever been. There have been countless encouraging developments in the global climate movement. The movement was small, fragmented, and unimportant a dozen years ago, and the climate recommendations were mostly polite with too much change your light bulb focus on personal virtue. But personal virtue only matters if it scales up. Even individual acts depend on collective decisions. I have, for example, 100% renewable electricity at home because other citizens pushed our unethical power company to evolve, and it's more feasible for me to ride a bike because there's a bike lane right up the street from me. The movement that has taken on pipelines and fuel trains, refineries and shipping terminals, fracking and mountaintop removal, divestment and finance, policy and law, and sometimes one is evidence of what can happen in a few years. Some of what were regarded as climate activists' wild ideas and unreasonable demands are now policy and conventional common sense. The other thing I find most encouraging and even a little awe-inspiring is how profoundly the global energy landscape has already changed this century. At the beginning of the 21st century, renewables were expensive, inefficient, infant technologies incapable of meeting our energy needs. In a revolution at least as profound as the Industrial Revolution, wind and solar engineering and manufacturing have changed everything. We now have the technological capacity to largely leave fossil fuels behind. It was not possible then, it is now. That is stunning and encouraging. Astoundingly, 98% of the energy Costa Rica generates is from non-fossil fuel sources. 
Scotland closed its last coal-fired power plant five years ago, and overall emissions there are half of what they were in 1995. Texas is getting more of its energy from wind than from coal, about a quarter on good days and half on a great day recently. Iowa already gets more than a third of its energy from wind because wind is already more cost-effective than fossil fuel and more wind turbines are being set up. Cities and states in the USA and elsewhere are setting ambitious goals to reduce fossil fuel consumption or go entirely renewable. Recently, California committed to make its electricity 100% carbon-free by 2045. There are stories like this from all over the world that tell us a transition is already underway. They need to scale up and speed up, but we are not starting from scratch today. The IPCC report recommends urgent work on many fronts, from how we produce food and to what use we put land, for example, forest restoration, to how we generate and use energy, and the unsexy business of energy efficiency also matters. The major obstacles to this energy revolution are political. The fossil fuel and energy corporations and the governments that are obscenely entangled with them. It is suggested that there are two approaches to climate action, changing consumption and changing production. Going after production often gets neglected, and places like Alberta, Canada like to boast about their virtuous energy consumption projects, while their energy production, in Alberta's case the tar sands, threatens the future of the planet. Addressing production means going after some of the most powerful and ruthless corporations on earth and the regimes that protect them and are rewarded by them. Or, as with Russia and Saudi Arabia, and to some extent the U.S., are indistinguishable from them. Five countries, Belize, Ireland, New Zealand, France, and Costa Rica, are working on bans on new exploration and extraction of fossil fuels. We have to be real about this. This is the oil industry, and wars are fought over it. There's a lot of political power here, and there's a lot of people defending that power. At this shining moment in history, it's clear the industry is in dramatic decline. It's ready to pop, and we can hasten that popping by cutting the enormous subsidies and by divesting from fossil fuel corporations. To date, the once mocked divestment movement has gotten $6 trillion withdrawn from oil investments. We also need to shut down production directly with a just transition for workers in those sectors. Given that the clean energy comes with a lot of jobs and jobs that don't give people black lung and don't poison surrounding communities, there's a lot of secondary benefits. Fossil fuel is, aside from the carbon it pumps into the atmosphere, literally poison. From the mercury that contaminates the air when coal is burned 
and the mountains of coal ash residue to the toxic emissions and water contamination of fracking and the sinister chemicals emitted by refineries to the smog from cars. Often a mental roadblock is, is that we have to give up fossil fuels as though it's a pure loss, but renouncing poison doesn't have to be thought of as a sacrifice. Many experts, including the IPCC, say there is still a chance to create a sustainable, cleaner, and more equal global system. Individuals can hold politicians to account by supporting political parties that put the environment at the heart of their economics and industrial policies. In a single sentence, I'm going to sum up the only realistic way to solve this whopping crisis. Are you ready? The single most important thing people can do is come together to form movements or join existing groups that can push for changes big enough to matter, from citywide renewable energy programs to large-scale disinvestment from fossil fuels. I don't know exactly if or how we'll get to where we need to go, but I know that we must set out better options with all the passion, power, and intelligence we have. A revolution is what we need, and we can begin by imagining and demanding it and doing what we can to try to realize it, rather than waiting to see what happens. We can be what happens. About a year ago, in researching for the podcast, we were looking for climate and environmental resources. While we found many, we were surprised we couldn't find a comprehensive guide for eco-resources. So we decided to create our own. We call it a call to act, and you can access it on the Green Elephant webpage at bit.ly slash green elephant in the room. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash green elephant in the room. On a call to act, there are hundreds of eco action activities that cover every aspect of your life. Home, family, career, school, shopping, leisure time, investing, and all the other aspects of our lives that will allow you to mobilize. Among the life-changing, planet-saving endeavors found there are best eco organizations you can join to join the fight. Climate meetup groups meet like-minded people in your community who are taking positive climate actions right now. Earth is hiring, a green career you can be proud of. Contact and connect with your elected officials. You can be more influential than you could imagine. Volunteer eco-opportunities, proactive ways that you can volunteer in your community or around the world. The Call to Act resource page is well organized and the best part is just by looking at it it will inspire you to see how many organizations and individuals are engaged in the good fight for our fossil fuel free bright future. Really, check it out.
Look at that space where I used to find so much truthfulness. It was a stone cold. 